This is the Urban Jellicle Podcast. Hello and welcome to Urban Jellicle. My name is Mike Kelly. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We've been exploring leadership development. And a few episodes ago, we spoke of our leadership development pipeline. And all the folks in this episode are part of that. I'm going to introduce them and we'll learn a little bit about what it's like, maybe a lot, I hope, (laughs) about what it's like to plant a church in the middle of a pandemic. So let's follow through uh, with those hopes and dreams. I'm going to start with this guy right here. Andrew Perkins is a church planting resident. Uh, How many times, Andrew, were you a um, intern for us before you got to this part of the process of development? Yeah, I was an intern for two summers, okay. actually at Green Lake Presbyterian Church, which is now which is Trinity. Now Trinity, which is where yeah. we're being hosted today. And then Johnny Finlayson is a, a church planting uh, resident to be, we hope. Right now he's a pastoral resident at Trinity Church Seattle and never worked with us in our internship program, but Johnny and I have known each other for a few years. Tell us a little bit about your work here. Yeah, um, I think it was it was Mike that coined the phrase, um, or at least for me to be a Swiss Army knife pastor type of guy. Um, I'm I'm an assistant pastor uh, and helping out in all kinds of different pastoral things, some preaching, uh, other kinds of ministries in the church, um, doing some leadership and oversight, and uh, uh, happy to be here and, and working with the network and uh, gleaning from all the good things that we're going to be talking about today. Good. Johnny is at uh, our host church where I used to serve as senior pastor. I'm still on staff, and we're excited about the ongoing and rich 20 years of partnership that we've had here. And Lord willing, you'll be transitioning into our church planning residency program in the fall. That's our hope, um, and our prayers will be keeping you posted on that. Now, here we have a dear friend and a leader that I really respect and have tremendous affection for, both he and his wife, Jen. You were a intern here with us for two years, correct? Yep, two summers. Both of them in Bellingham? Both of them in Bellingham, yep. Okay. Tell us a little bit about um, your residency there, very briefly. Mm-hmm. And then also, we um, have seen you do a work by God's grace, you and Jan, over in Yakima, that started during the pandemic. So tell us a little bit about your residency and how it led over there, and then take it away. Yeah, do you mean the summer... Internships? No, the residency the, the program. Residency. The residency program and how it led over to the church plant in Yakima. That basically is what I'm taking it away with. Do you want me just to go right into it then? Sure. <laughs> that works. All right, great. Another another <laughs> moment of ministry excellence right. brought to you by Urban <laughs> Jellicle. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, great. Well, can I just give a couple of disclaimers before I start? Unsolicited advice. Most of what I'm going to be sharing this morning is kind of our church planting story, how that how that it translates year one residency, year two residency, and how it got to where we are now, which is uh, which crazy. A year in, this Sunday will mark the one year that we started online services, the Palm Sunday, which is crazy. We've had a lot of different anniversaries. So we're going to anniversary of like when we first met together outside, when we first met together inside. And uh, the pandemic has given us a lot of reasons to have celebrations, which you know, I'm not complaining about. Uh, so most of what I'm sharing is just kind of our story, kind of talking through what we did. And hopefully that helps frame for you guys, some of uh, what you guys might do, it won't look exactly the same. Whenever anyone shares their story about church planning, one of the challenging things, I think, is that 
uh, it's easy to compare ourselves. It's like, well, I'm not doing exactly like that person. That's okay. You're going to have to translate what I did and any success I have, and I'm convinced of this. I was thinking about this the other day because things have actually gone pretty well for us. But it's only because people are praying for us all around the world. And so my, my first bit of unsolicited advice before I dive into the how is if you don't regularly have a group of people that you email to, to pray for you and your work, that is the first thing you should do when this is over. Start a, a MailChimp account or some email thing. Anybody you know, throw them on there and start monthly, bi-monthly uh, prayer emails, support emails. And I get so many responses of people that pray for us literally every morning. And I realized the other day, I was like, this, this is only happening. The things that are happening, what I'm going to share, have only happened because people are praying. And so if you get one thing from this, uh, that's it. But there's more, so stay tuned, stay listening. So don't turn it off just yet. Uh, the other one thing, just that you'll hear this echoing throughout, is that um, you're not planning a church a year from now, two years from now. Three. You have to have it in your mind that you're planting the church now. And so... Uh, as you uh, think about the future, you've got to talk about it as if it's, and think about it in mind as if this is happening. I'm planting this church now. I'm pastoring people now. And, uh, and that just helps set expectation. It helps people, I think, give confidence even in your, your leadership. So now this person thinks they're doing something. And, you know, sometimes I feel um, like I'm a used car salesman selling a car that doesn't have an engine in it yet. <laughs> But, you know, if they buy it, then we can put the engine in together, and it's, you know, it's a win-win. So, um, so that's kind of <laughs> what it's like a little bit. So I'm going to start just a little bit year, year one. So this is my year one residency. Okay. So this is uh, three years ago. Uh, we moved to Bellingham from St. Louis, me and my wife. We have four children. And we were going to do a two-year church planning residency at Christ Church Bellingham. And, uh, you know, the goal of the residency is to be prepared, and so by the time an ideal world by the time two years is up you're out you're launching and you're planting a church and so when we first moved the the first little bit of year one was just recovery seminary life is difficult especially if you have a family and you do it in three years uh, we were exhausted and so moving to Bellingham you know both me and my wife had lived there before my wife's family's from Canada just outside of Vancouver and so we were near her family so it was really great and so Year one, I think there's, there's, there's three things that we focused on. My handwriting is awful, so this is just more for show than anything. So year one, there's, there's, there's three things that we really focused on in, in terms of our residency. The first thing was we needed funding because nothing stops a party like funding. Um, we needed uh, uh, to get ordained. Well, I did. My wife, my wife didn't get ordained, but I did. I, I didn't spell that even remotely right. Where's the squiggly? Uh, Spelling's not on the ordination. No. Where's the squiggly, squiggly red line when you need it? And ordination and, and exploration. These are kind of the three, three things that I spent my year one doing. Um, so, you know, fundraising is probably one of the more challenging aspects of this. It's one of the more daunting aspects. Have you guys fundraised before coming into this? How, 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 what's your fundraising experience been like? Yeah, uh, I've been fundraising for uh, probably over two years now. 
um, before I was at Trinity, I was at another church uh, in out of state, and uh, it was a, I, I had to fundraise for that, and I was coming out of seminary. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, resonate with with how important it is to get that that fundraising base going. Yeah, I think, you know, if there's one thing I could have done a little differently in my year one, I think I waited a little bit to start fundraising because I was just kind of shell-shocked moving out of seminary life into this. But uh, so I kind of was a little bit behind the curve. But fundraising is one of those things, if you can get on top of it early, you can kind of ride the momentum and it can kind of translate into the rest of your work. The, you know, so you guys have done, I think you guys are doing the, the, what's the taking donors seriously. My, My only advice on that is just do everything they tell you to do. It's a great work, um, and don't cut corners in terms of, you know, finding great material. So, for instance, I hired a designer to put together this fundraising booklet for me. I, I actually have the domain Church Plant Washington, Church Plant Northwest, Church Plant Central Washington. I, I own all those domains. <laughs> um, so uh, you can buy it from me later if you'd like. For yeah, well, I'll, I'll cut you that, a deal. I'll bring that to the board. That's right. I'll consider yeah. revoking your support. That's right. So, you know, so I put together a website and just trying to find ways to, you know, make it look professional, make it look good. So, like, when you're sitting down with people, it's not just an idea. For, for whatever reason, when it's something's physical, people believe it's real, even if it's not quite real yet. And so it just helps to kind of, you know, enter into the vision. Also, I find creating fundraising material, thinking through vision, mission, strategy, uh, is a great way to just articulate what you have all in you. It, it's, a, it's a way to kind of get that out and, and have a nice vision um, so there's, so, you know, like year one fundraising, raising, creating a website, creating a booklet, uh, hiring people to do it. Well, the second thing is ordination. I don't really have anything to say to that. Just it's hard work. Do it. Um, you might fail at one point and that's okay. I failed at one point. So you might, you might fail at uh, ordination. That's okay. I, I failed one exam. Um, and I still got ordained, so sure. I to, I just You're just it. as ordained as if you had not failed. Yeah, that's right. You had to take it again, though. <laughs> yeah, I did have to take it again. <laughs> that was better for it. So ordination is also it just it's a time on task, you know, just like memorizing Greek or that kind of stuff. It just takes time. And then the other part of year one, which is the more fun part, was exploration. So this is probably where we spend a little bit more time on the year one side of things. Is one of the biggest questions you're going to have when you start is where am I going to church plan. Do do either of you guys have an idea of where you want to church plan or you kind of have some I'm just curious about some of the different areas and what you guys are thinking about in terms of location. Yeah, uh, so I'm interning in east of the Seattle, the city of Seattle on the east side is what we call it here and our church draws from a really wide radius of region. So I've I've looked at a number of communities within the radius of our church. um, 10, 20, even 30 or 40 miles away from our church to kind of look at those communities and praying about that right now. So that's great. How about you, Johnny? Yeah. Um, for us, uh, we're, we're really, um, yeah, we feel Seattle Metro is, is kind of where, where we want to end up and we're, we're praying about and, and curious about, um, kind of north east seattle so east side of i-5 probably south of 105 100th and then north of university of washington i realize if if you're not familiar with the city you have no idea what i'm talking about but um (laughs) so that's kind of general area looking at you know maybe business districts uh other places that might blow up there's a um there's a light rail transit coming in so um just thinking and praying about looking for clarity on on that kind of thing yeah that's great 
It's great to have some ideas. When we first moved, I thought we knew where we were going to plant. At first, I think it was Anacortes, uh, which is this little kind of port town up south of Bellingham, which is you know, where we were doing our residency at. I was like, hey, that could be a great spot. Um, I think that's originally why Nate invited me up to do the residency was because, hey, if you're thinking about Anacortes, you can come up and be with us up here. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe the Tri-Cities, which Tri-Cities is you know, over a couple hundred thousand people. It's growing like crazy. And I'd spent a lot of time visiting people, meeting with old high school friends because I'm from that part of the, the state, and just trying to build relationships, meet with pastors. And then it just wasn't going anywhere. And then I was like, okay, maybe people would say Bend. We need churches in Bend, so let's try Bend. And uh, <laughs> took a weekend trip down to Bend, Oregon, met with a pastor there, uh, met with some people through some connections. One of the crazy things about this whole thing is what you're going to find is no matter where you decide to plant, you're going to know somebody who knows somebody that's there. And so that was one of the things I learned. It was like all these places randomly, I would find someone that I knew in all these locations. I'd talk to them. And this didn't seem right. Bend's a really cool city, but it was kind of isolated and out there. To give you an idea of Bend, the pastor was telling me he was going door to door once, and uh, on the welcome mat, it said, go away. at <laughs> someone's door. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this might take like probably seven, realistically, seven to 10 years and over a million dollars probably to plant the church there. And so we're kind of just exploring different churches. And then I met with, this is another bit of unsolicited advice, um, is uh, meet with as many church planters as you can, especially ones who failed. I learned probably more from, from church planters who, whose churches didn't succeed than maybe ones who did succeed. Because the guys who did succeed, they can't really tell you why. Because it's, it's prayer, it's God's work. God's the one that builds his church. Uh, he's the one that grows his kingdom. And so I just learned a lot from those guys. And so anyways, I was sitting down with this pastor who was struggling a little bit. And he told me, he said, Craig, just don't be afraid to leverage your relationships. And I just, we had a long conversation, but that one phrase is all I remember from it. And I just kept on thinking about it. what are my relationships? Okay, I'm from Eastern Washington. And the PCA, and even in just the Reformed church world, we don't have a huge presence there. To give you an idea, the closest Reformed work is on the reservation, which is about an hour outside of town, and that's a mission work. So its ability to reach Yakima just it will probably won't happen. And then the closest established, you know, Reformed work from there is like a, a couple hours away. You're not even just PCA, but just in our our Reformed Napark's kind of circles is a, is a couple hours away. And so through all that conversations and, and knowing that I know this area because I'm from there and I had a lot of relationships, I just started making some phone calls to Yakima. I started talking to my wife and. So what about Yakima? And to give you an idea of how radical my wife's response to that question was, several years earlier, we'd been driving through Yakima to visit my parents. And she looked around the town, and she goes, who would ever want to live here? <laughs> and then, so I'm having this conversation. I bring it up once. I said, what about Yakima? And we're kind of praying about it. And she's like, I don't know, Craig. I just, I really want to find a way to stay around the Bellingham area. I was like, okay. So I explored around the Bellingham area. And we actually had another network church planner planting a church in the area. And so it's like, we can't plant two churches in the same area at the same time. So that wasn't going to work. And so it just kept on coming up with Yakima. And I started making some phone calls to friends in Yakima. And I discovered, man, I got some families that are interested in being a part of a church plant. And, you know, this, this might come as a shock to you guys, but you actually need people <laughs> to be a part of a church plant. It's weird, but you actually need people. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff you can only learn through the Northwest Church Planning Network. Yeah, this is, uh, we got the car corner market, market cornered on this. <laughs> so, uh, so, so as I started doing that, and then I brought it up to my wife again after, I think it was a couple months, I waited a little bit, another, another unsolicited advice, you know, 
wait a little bit, let it sit before you bring it back up. The same question to your, to your spouse. And so I waited a little bit, prayed, and uh, had the conversation again. And she's like, I think you're right. I think Yakima is where we need to be. And so I was like, all right. So I made some phone calls, set up a, a meeting and a, a dinner at someone's house, invited these five families. And we sat down, talked about the mission of the church. Again, we talked about it as if it was happening. There was no like, you know, well, maybe if, there was no qualifiers. At that point, it was like, we're going to talk about it as if this is happening. And uh, out of that group, actually only two families ended up being a part of our church. The other three ended up deciding they wanted to stay where they were. But it gave us some momentum to, to get us there. Yeah. And out of that couple, all the couples actually started supporting us financially because they were all excited about the work. They just didn't feel like they were called to be a part of it, which is okay. And so that was kind of, so our year one uh, ended with us deciding, okay, we got people, we got a place, we got momentum, we feel the Lord's calling us there. It's in the middle of the state. It's also close to Seattle. It stays it's connected to the rest of the Presbytery. Kind of checked all those boxes. And then, you know, long term, it gives us an opportunity to expand both kind of north up into the Ellensburgs and Wenatchee's and down into the Tri-Cities where I was originally thinking anyways. And so it kind of gives us a nice little kind of central hub to kind of maybe hopefully plant more churches throughout central Washington, which is the hope. And so that was kind of the year, the end of the first years. You know, you're, you're just doing some of the basic stuff of funding, ordination. Then you get to do the fun stuff of exploring. And, you know, one of the things is don't be afraid to explore. If you learned anything from my exploration, don't be afraid to explore far and wide. The worst thing that will happen is you'll get confirmation in, in the original place, yeah. you know, and, which isn't a bad thing. Um, any questions on that first year kind of experience or from what you guys are working on or what you guys are looking forward to? Yeah, uh, this is just a really practical question that I'm thinking about as you're talking. I'm in my first year of residency. Um, my wife's expecting a baby in two months. Yeah. What, what does exploration look like when you have four kids and are rooted question. at a church and in a yeah. community? Um, how, how do you balance that with your time? And That's a great that? question. I, you know, I didn't take more than one trip a month. And as much as I could, I would take the family with me. Like when we did Bend, I took the family with me because we never experienced Bend before. When I did Yakima, I didn't need to take the family with me for some of those trips because we knew Yakima, we knew the area, and so it was less important for her to come with me. And so that's part of it is kind of deciding, okay, how much does she know this place? Is this completely foreign? When you can go together, go together. But if you need to go alone and explore and then bring her in after when it's a little bit more serious, that might be better with, with infants and stuff. Um, Good question. That's a great question. It's helpful. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious uh, for you in, in, this, in this stage where a lot of it is just kind of in your head. It's a plan. It's a vision. You, yeah. You're trying to cast it and you don't have a lot of tangible yeah. Uh, things going for you in that stage. What you know? What spiritual battles are you facing? Where, where where's where's discouragement coming from? And then how did you handle those? That is a a great question. Actually, right here on my sheet, it's it actually is talking next about discouragement. It's like uh, you will get distracted um, from the work in front of you. You will get discouraged. I don't know if you know the the story um, from Hans Christian Andersen, the Princess and the Pea. You know, familiar with that story? It's this, this princess, she's really this frail girl, and she comes and stays with this prince. I'm getting probably wrong. But the point of it is this. Uh, there's this little pea underneath her mattress. And, and they put, like, mattress. She ends the story with, like, ten mattresses on top of this little pea. But because she's so frail, she can still feel that little mattress, that, that little pea in the mattress. She can't sleep all night. 
And it's this kind of thing that you're going to feel every bump in the road. Like every little high is going to feel like you just won the lottery. Every low is going to feel like I need to go and do something different with my life. <laughs> and so the highs and lows come often, and the distractions come often. For instance, I also, I don't know if I told you this, but I actually had another job opportunity come up. Like in this middle of this transition, I was like really tempted by it because I'm like, this is... This might be easier. <laughs> this is the first we're hearing of this. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't take the job. No, I think I'm glad you're bringing that up because this is a tough row to hoe. This is challenging. And opportunities, obstacles, distractions, rocks in the shoe, that's always going to be part of your, of your experience of your calling. And it refines it. So, I'm, yeah, that's, it's a good thing to explore openly at the front end. Yeah, and so I think, so like how do you, you just have to weather those storms. And it's just like anything in life. It's, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you get from here to the, to the door in the back? You, one footstep. But you just kind of got to put your head down and just put one foot in front of the other, not get discouraged by all this. You got to trust that there's outside voices, like there's a network that's behind you. There's a presbytery that's behind you. There's people that are behind you. And so you trust their voices more than your own. And you just steady one step in front of the other. I mean, this is the mustard seed growing slowly but steady. Uh, it, it's just, this is the way the kingdom grows. And so it's just having, you do have to grow some endurance. And it's not easy. Uh, and it's, so it's funny, because like when you're on the tail end of like good things happening, people can think, oh, that was, must have been real easy. And even me sitting here, I'm like, oh yeah, it kind of feels like it was easy. And then you kind of like, <laughs> look back at your story, like, oh no, there were some hard moments and some sleepless nights and wondering, sure yeah, is money going to come in? And then, a $15,000 check comes anonymously. It's like, well, where did that come from? I don't know, but thank you, Lord. And so this stuff happens, and the Lord builds your faith as you kind of step out with him. And it's, you know, church planning, especially the way we did it, you know, we didn't have a mother church. It's kind of, you know, stepping out without a safety net. Mm-hmm. But the, tr- the reality is that all of life is without a safety net. <laughs> we just, uh, you know, surround ourselves with all these, you know, insurances and all these things, but it's really all God's provision and him holding us the whole time. Um, hey, Craig, before yeah. you go into year two, yeah. that's great stuff. Um, God is our safety net, and sometimes he makes himself almost invisible, and we yeah. just need to keep moving. Uh, just very briefly, don't yeah. go into detail. Talk about, uh, because I want you to go into year two, yeah. y- you had responsibilities at Christ Church. Oh, yeah, Bellingham. that's good. So just, yep. just give yep. us the bullet point list of sure. while you were doing these three yep. things, how are you serving that congregation? That's a great point. Um, so yeah, so I wasn't just a full-time resident in the fact that I wasn't just, just doing these three things. These were on top of just ordinary you know, assistant pastor jobs. So I was overseeing the liturgy at, at Christ Church Bellingham. I oversaw the music in that whole scene. Um, I would preach every other month and just overall pastoral ministry within the life of the church and, and having discipleship groups and being a part of a, a small group. And so this was probably maybe f- at most 50% of my time, likely 30 to 40% of my time was doing these things. Okay. Um, but the nice thing is like a lot of the stuff you can just do in your mind, you can do online, you know, you click on the city, you, you look yeah. at Zillow, you find out, okay, could I afford a house in this town? <laughs> you know, those kind of things. <laughs> so yeah, you need a house. So yeah. that's, that's okay to do that. Yeah. Super thanks for sharing. No, that. yeah, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so that's, so year, and into year one, we had our destination. I think that's a, you know, that's a goal. You know, these are good goals at the end of year one is to have some funding in place 
finish up ordination because this just frees up a ton of brain space. And then kind of nail down a place. And once you kind of lock into a town, um, speaking of the distractions, you just kind of have to say, this is where I'm going. It's kind of like, in, even if you're not there yet, like we were living four hours away from Yakima, and our minds, we had to kind of burn, burn the ships and say, this is where we're going. <laughs> and that's, I think that's part of it, is that mindset of, that's the only way that you can survive those distractions is if you have no other option. Well, we're, the only way forward is to that way, so we're just going that way. So this is year, year two. I don't really have a whole lot to put on the whiteboard for year two. Oh, maybe I do. We'll see what happens. This could get wild. Uh, I like the idea of a whiteboard more than I'd actually use a whiteboard. So. <laughs> it's a story of my life. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so now things are heated up. We have our location. We have some people interested. And remember, this is still a pre-COVID world. It seems hard to imagine it, actually, yeah. but it, it, it exists. Um, and so four hours away, how are we going to plant the church? What do we do for that year? Part of me was discouraged because I was like, I just want to move there now. Now that I know the place, I just want to move there now. But I, I couldn't a lot of, for a lot of reasons. And so we had to come up with a strategy. Uh, and the first strategy was this. Again, this is pre-COVID. People actually use Zoom believe it or not, before the pandemic. And uh, we used Zoom uh, to do a men's discipleship group. And this was just a way for me to connect on a pastoral level with some of the guys that were interested. We read a book together. We prayed. We memorized scripture. We met weekly um, uh, in a Wednesday morning. Uh, and so that was just a great way to connect with people in a pastoral way. Um, and, and as we were doing this, it kind of gave them more confidence that they started to see me as their pastor. And it gave them more confidence to even invite friends and to, 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 to tell them about this church plant. And so what I had to do in a good way is I had to rely on all the people that were interested in being part of our church plant to do all the groundwork because I couldn't do any of it. And so they're the ones telling friends, they're the ones telling Co-workers about this church plant that we're, that we're about to start. And then they would um, you know, give me their numbers. They would reach out to, to me with their contact information. And I would email or make phone calls with these people. And so this was kind of like throughout the, the month, I would do some online stuff, making phone calls, reaching out to pastors, that kind of thing. And then once a month, uh, I think it was the second weekend of the month, I would make a physical trip. So once a month, I would actually go there physically for a weekend. And sometimes my family would come, and sometimes I would go by myself. And so I would take these monthly trips. And so you guys are all kind of near your plant locations. But I think that, that you could do something similar in terms of a monthly physical gathering. And so during these monthly trips, I would, all those people I was talking to on the phone, I would try to meet with whoever would meet with me. And sometimes I wouldn't even have the meetings set up until on my way, just, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I'd start getting phone calls from people I didn't know, and they heard about it, and they wanted to talk. And so that kind of stuff happened all the time. And so I would sit down at a coffee shop and just meet with people. On Saturday, that would be on Friday, on Saturday we'd kind of do some fun events. Like one day the ladies went out and did something, and the guys we did... Donuts and rockets in the park. We <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to do this, <laughs> but we launched rockets in the park. <laughs> so hey, we lost the Yakima, man. You yeah. can do what you want. That's right. It's a free state. Yeah, it's uh, Idaho of Washington. So. Pioneers. Right? Yeah, pioneers. Yeah, trying to find the moon. So, 
so we do these fun things and then hang out with people. I'd stay at someone's house too, which that also just gives you all these connections with people so they can really start to trust you. And then on Sunday evening, we'd gather for um, a worship service where you know, we'd invite whoever would, would want to come. We'd worship together. We'd sing some songs. I would have a little devotional and kind of work in some of the vision of the church. And then we'd share a meal together and just hang out. And so we did that um, monthly thing. And slowly our groups grew from like five families down to like three families up to maybe 10 families. And so just this rhythm of being around it kind of grew things. And, uh, and then, speaking of discouragement, uh, January was my last monthly trip because then COVID started and it became uh, hard to do anything in person, uh, especially at the beginning when no one knew what COVID was. And so speaking of discouragements, thinking of things that could like just completely derail you and kill it, which it did for a while in my own heart. It was like, what am I going to do now? And if this doesn't work, what am I going to do in life? Like, yeah. like this is, this was, like I said, I had burned the ships. And so I'm thinking, man, I wonder, do I got to start building a ship or how do we get out of this? And so, um, again, that's when you lean on the people around you, talking to Mike, talking to, to Nate Walker, who was my pastor, um, overseeing me directly in the residency. We had a phone call one day about, man, what, what's, what's next steps? I can't go there anymore. What do we do? He's like, Craig, I got this crazy idea. Start now. Start online church now. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. I mean, everyone didn't even have an address in Yakima. No, no. I mean, there's certain things actually, like the like the denomination had our church plant listed in Bellingham <laughs> because we had no address <laughs> in, in Yakima. Yeah. So, uh, so they, so he said, just start online now. And I was like, you know, all right. And so, like I said at the beginning, this this week will mark. This Sunday, Palm Sunday, will mark a one-year anniversary from starting online services. And I just started preaching weekly to a camera, pre-recording stuff. I had a guy on the ground in Yakima that would pre-record some music. I'd put together service, send it out, and we did that. I figured if someone, if, it's great, though, because if you're going to have to go online um, regardless, uh, you might as well come to our church online. And so, I, so, again, I gave people a chance to, like, call me their pastor. And, and uh, you know, they were able, speaking of fundraising, they were able to start tithing, too. I actually told some of the fans, like, you know, you can actually start tithing. And, like, we can? I said, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and then the, the guy that was helping you was part of our internship program, too. Oh, yeah, David. David, yeah. Yeah, and so the guy that was working with me, he actually, last summer, yeah. he came and did one of the summer yeah, the internship programs, and he yeah. got paid for it and was able to yeah. interact with the network. So that was a great help. Uh, and so it was a, a really actually beautiful way to start. And, um, and then, so, that, so we just did that. And then we started doing more discipleship groups. And then we started a ladies, a women's discipleship group that met weekly. And so finding all these different ways to connect. And then all of a sudden we, I decided, hey, you know, we're also going to do a, a group book study. So we were talking through the topic of prayer. So we, we read um, uh, Praying Life Praying Life by Paul Miller. I almost said Jack Miller, but that would be a different That would be a different, different book. Different, yeah, that's right. Same family. Same family, different, yeah. Uh, so, so we read A Praying Life together, and we started. So all of a sudden, I have like two meetings a week with people, which I did not have before, and, uh, and a Sunday morning worship service for people to go to. Let, let me press pause here real yeah. quick, because this is something that we didn't anticipate, but I think it's a, 
transferable and very valuable lesson for church planting. You were not there to be in the way because sometimes the primary leader, the church planter, who is the, the actuator and the actor, mm-hmm. you know, that's present on the ground, uh, by default does more than they should. So your absence because of the geography of it and then COVID doubling down on that created a lot of space for people. And I'm wondering if you're able to continue that now that you're there or give that space to people. Have you been able to translate that into your presence as opposed to you being the guy that gets it all done? That's a great question. I think it has naturally done it. Not because I've tried to do it. Okay. But, you know, this is the kind of things, those patterns that, get, that start naturally, yeah. which that's the, the nice thing, is it's so hard and, and so many things you're trying to force people and trying to push people into doing certain things. And this is one of those situations where, yeah. circumstantially, they learned that this certain yeah. church does not revolve around Craig. And so even now, people start things and people do things. And there's a freedom, which is great, um, just to show up and, and do work. And so I'm rarely the only one doing anything. Um, in fact, we're doing like this Easter outdoor Easter feast uh, and I had people call me and say, hey, I'll cook, di- I'll cook for that. Hey, I want to, can I do an Easter egg hunt? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there you go. Cool. And so it's kind of bird the culture that... I would make yeah. a note of that, guys. That's really important. Uh, you were forced into that and you embedded some DNA by God's providence that will probably pay off. So. Well, and the thing is, if it's not COVID... There's going to be other things. Like if it wasn't COVID for us, there would have been other challenges that would have been probably just as challenging for a young church plan. And so there's always something that, that can, you can leverage. Yeah, I'm, I was just wondering, um, for both you, uh, Mike, and Craig, could you like outline some ways that, if, if that had not happened in your case, or just in general, like the church planter can get in the way? Hmm. Well, we should probably discuss that uh, at some episode, I'm not kidding around, there's a lot of ways that leaders get in the way. And I've been part of every single one of those over the last 30 years. Um, Church planters uh, can get in the way with their plan. You'll you'll know as we move Mm. forward, and and Craig knows, we're big on plans, right? We made you have a plan. Yep. And then you'd send us the plan, and we'd ask you to adapt the plan or uh, elaborate on the plan. Um, But fear and drive and a plan can sometimes get in the way of leading people and giving room for God to, to do your plan or his plan at his pace and his way. So that, and the, that's the functionality of getting the way. Really, that's about the leader's own self-awareness, and we've talked about that some and will before. But it's a fear just, of failure is probably a big one in that, too. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, you're, uh, you're so afraid, and no one's thinking about it like you are, so you're working your plan, which is good. When you're a resident and a church planter, Lord willing, we will want you to work your plan, Johnny, but we'll also want you to work it with art, not just with muscle. So what would you add to that? Yeah, well, I mean, the plan is there to move you in this direction, but there's always going to be something that's going to disrupt it. So it's not like a, you're not writing in stone. It's not the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's, it's the drawing in the sand. You know, like it's, yeah. it's going to change. It's going to ebb and flow. And that's okay. That's good. You just expect it. Yeah. Um, and then if, when you expect it, then it's like, okay, yeah, 
It's like a budget. You budget for these things, and then, you know, life happens. You know, so. M- Mike Tyson, the great church planter, <laughs> said, you know, everybody has a plan until <laughs> you punch them in the face. And I love so, it. And so that's kind of true for church planning. Hey, let's make sure yep. we get to drill down on year three, um, Craig, if you can yeah, make sure we have time for that. Yeah, so we can, I can jump into that right now. So okay. the so I did move to Yakima. You guys know that part of the story, of course. And so in June, we moved to Yakima, and uh, it was still a challenge. Like, what do you do? We're moving. We can't really meet, but can we meet? And so I'm still meeting new people. People are finding us. I'm meeting people on Zoom, still doing the online thing. And then in July, you know, the numbers were great. Regulations were, were easing. And so we thought, okay, we can at least do, I'm not ready to do, out, to do weekly services yet because I wanted to take a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, well, I don't want to start something because I'm going to have to stop it and uh, or be responsible for making sure it happens. I don't want that. So we kept the online service, but we did do uh, communion in our yard. So we'd gather in a big circle and we'd serve communion together, and then people might bring a picnic, and we'd, you know, we, we, we have a little bit of a property, and so people can spread out, and kids can run around, and so we got to build community that way. And this some, is at your house. This is at our house yeah. in Yakima. So in summers are beautiful. In Yakima, it doesn't rain. So well, that's one of the nice things, though. You just expect that it's not going to rain, and it, it never does. And so, uh, and it's weird for Seattle people, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> this is the first rain I've seen in a long time. <laughs> it's like my windshield wipers. I think I got those. They still work. <laughs> and so, uh, so we were doing that until September. And we're like, okay, let's start outdoor worship services. And so again, at our, at our backyard, we started these outdoor worship services, and this would be some of the funnest memories, because I got to do our first baptism, which is great. It's a father-son baptism. And uh, my cat jumped up on the table and started drinking from the baptismal bowl. <laughs> Thankfully, the people I baptized didn't like grow whiskers and tails and stuff. I was a little nervous about how that might transfer, but <laughs> that could have been an safe. issue. Yeah, so you, know, so you got all these funny stories, but we did that for months, and then we, um, while we're meeting there for months, uh, we... Uh, it started getting cold. And we had an early cold Sunday, and everyone's bundled up and like, they got their long underwear, they got their giant f- jackets, and I'm f- standing there shaking while I'm trying to preach. And, uh, and at the end of that service, the guys, we can't do this outdoors next week. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna find a place indoors. I don't know where, but we gathered and we prayed. This goes into the, what I said at the beginning, pray, and find people that will pray for you. And so we gathered after service, we prayed for a location, uh, Monday, I got a phone call that we might have found a spot. Uh, Friday afternoon, uh, it was confirmed right before closing, and I ran down, signed papers, and got keys to this beautiful historic building downtown Yakima. It's a building that I d- always dreamed about. I always drove by and thought, it'd be cool to have a church in the building. Andrew actually got to come and preach in that building. Well, yeah, but we drove through Yakima three years ago. Oh, yeah. During one of the summers together, and you said... We drove past that building. You said, that'd be a great building to have a church plant in one day. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. And the Lord, the Lord provides. And uh, then that, that following Sunday, we were in there. We've been there since. And then since we've been there, you know, it's been a great space. It's a month to month. But we only really get the sanctuary. So any long-term usage of the building is really challenging. It's also expensive for just using on Sunday morning. And so maybe three or four months ago, I get a phone call from a friend. He's like, hey, there's this other historic building in downtown Yakima that's for sale. So you should check it out. And it was, you know, for sale for under half a million dollars, 20,000 square feet, built in 1920, stunning building. Uh, long story short, we explored that. We gathered, we prayed two times. First time we gathered to pray as a church, 
The answer that next week was no from some negotiations. The second time we gathered to pray again, and actually we just went under contract on this building two days ago. Um, That's great. And it's just like, this, this, is, this is the kind of stuff, this doesn't happen. This is not supposed to happen. Church plants that are less than a year old, even with our small budget, are not supposed to have buildings, especially really nice, beautiful ones. And so this has been one of those another ways that God has blessed us through prayer, through seeking him. Um, and there's going to be new challenges. This building could be the end of us. Who knows? But, <laughs> but you know, you just take these again. What a way take, to go, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a way to go. go. Yeah. We didn't have, we had no regrets. <laughs> well, honestly, you know, don't, don't be foolish. And we've talked about this. Yeah. But, but don't leave anything on the table either. Yeah. Um, if it's not going to work, make sure that you exhausted yourself in the right ways you right. Know, not your family or your heart but but go for it keep going yeah so. so i mean the i mean the other thing is you know a part of our dream from the beginning was you know i'm a big i like my dutch reformers so kuiper bob inc uh those guys and one of the things that they're just kuiper is big on is building institutions and if you want to shape you know the imagination of a culture you got to think longer term than a lot of our short-term solutions. It's you got to think 100-year windows, which is educating, training children up in the gospel. And the church we were at in, in, in Bellingham, they happened to have started a school too. So I had a bit of a model and being up there for two years, what's one of the great things about the residency program too is you get to glean so much from the wisdom of the pastors you get to serve under. And I gleaned so much serving under Nate, seeing how he, he approached things, seeing the school that they started. And so this coming fall, we're starting uh, a K-8 school. And, uh, and this is another thing where I've gotten just cold call phone calls all the time. I'm, my, I'm, after this meeting, I'm going to look at my phone. I'm going to have someone new probably applied to the school. And we're easily going to have 50 students, I think, our first year, wow. which will be max, which will be our max for our first year. And so it's just one of, the, one of those little things that God has opened doors, and we're just walking through them, and I trust the council around me. I bring them all in on these decisions, say, hey, is this crazy? I say, maybe it's a little crazy, but go for it. <laughs> you do bring, you know, you, we have a temporary system of government in our, in our uh, presbytery. You work with the network. These are pretty expansive uh, ideas, buildings and schools and starting services before you're even in town. But you've not done any of that, Craig, in a, in a bubble. You've no. sought counsel. And what we're trying to do as a presbyterian, as a network, is create the space for people to take chances and um, and explore what God would do if we reach a little bit further than um, we want to. In other words, we're trying to make it safe to try and fail. Yeah. We don't want anybody to fail. But uh, if we make sure that no one ever fails, well, that won't serve the kingdom. It's not how, it's not how faith works. Uh, we're going to wrap this up in a little bit. So I yeah. want you to get to what um, whatever else you want to talk about this third year, but I'm asking you specifically to, you mentioned the father and son who were baptized. Mm -hmm. It would be great to land on just some stories about what God has done in people, gospel renewal or conversions yeah. and things that have excited you. We're going there to do a lot of things and, yep. and that's the really at the crux yep. of a lot of it. So Absolutely. finish up we, and we then can, land there. And no, then that, that's a great spot to land. I think even right now is, uh, even this this father and son who were baptized, I think uh, since we've been there, I think we've had five or six baptisms. Half of those have been adult kind of believer baptisms. And one of the things I've noticed this theme uh, in our church is we have a lot of people coming from some really hard things in their life. Uh, 
like this particular gentleman, he's coming from a, a Jehovah Witness family. And the family is constantly nagging them to, we want you to come back to the faith. And so there's this kind of tension even in their own family. And yet there's just this mature faith that's growing. Actually, they invited us, this particular family that converted recently, they invited us to their house for dinner. And they were so giddy, like, we've never had anyone over to our house before. They didn't know what to do. It's like, do we buy wine? Do we, what do we, what do we do? And it was just really sweet. You said yes, correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I get a lot of things wrong. I didn't get that one wrong. Um, and so, but, you know, but they're just learning what is life in a community and a Christian community look, look like. And there's so many things you take for granted, like having people over for dinner. That's normal for us. But it's actually not normal for the rest of the world. And that was just one of these beautiful things where the Lord uh, really has stirred the hearts of these people to come and be part of our community and really worked and brought them into the Christian faith and and is growing their faith in tremendous leaps and bounds. And it's just fun, funny, the things that we take for granted. And that's one of the things I love this work is, is you get to see all this. And say, oh, I, I never really thought about that. But that is kind of weird, I guess, that we have dinner with people all the time. Yeah. People are actually in our private spaces I know. all the time. Well, that's where, that's where the gospel does its work. Yeah. Super. So uh, one last question. Thanks so much. Yeah. And I'm going to give space if you guys have a question to close out. But I want to just see how your family's doing. Yeah. Because my wife, uh, Sandy, who also works with the network, uh, and I, one of her primary uh, responsibilities is to care for the families and the spouses of our planters. And we're committed to making that as healthy as we can in yeah. a taxing situation. So, no, that's great. Are you guys doing okay? Um, yeah, we're doing great. We, we, uh, it's a good podcast that's, answer. That's right. <laughs> um, do you got tissue around? No, uh, we... Uh, you know, like I mentioned, my wife was a little bit hesitant at the beginning to, to move to Yakima, and now she loves it. Um, she might love it more than I do, and just the sunshine and the being outdoors with the animals, and we have 10 chickens now, and, and the kids are just running around the yard and playing, and, and they're making friends, and that's one of the biggest prayers. Like we have a couple of kids that are a little older, so like friendships, and they, they both have friends now, and it's just the Lord has been very kind and provided. I think the biggest problem that they have is when I get stressed out and don't handle my stress well. Yeah. So their problem is actually me. The rest of it, they're actually doing really well with. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not going to change. Yeah. Do you guys want to touch base on anything quickly before we close out? Uh, one question I'm, I'm still curious about. What does COVID evangelism look like? What does COVID evangelism look like? You know, I think every area is going to be a little different. You know, if people are a little bit more sensitive to it, it can be a little harder. I know for me... Uh, it's focused, made me focus on my neighbors and the people really around my house. Like even when I, like I start to frequent a few restaurants in town, I guess maybe it's easier for them to tell who I am because I got all this hair sticking out of my mask. But it's like hard to really like, like, do I know that person? You know, when it's strangers, it's really hard to kind of develop a rapport with people. And so I've just really focused on who are the people around me. That's good. And my dogs keep on escaping my fence. And so it's actually because of that, I've met every single one of my neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, they, they might tell that story a little differently yeah, than right. you. but So I think it's just focused, uh, focus on the local. Focus on the people that you're That's actually around stuff. all the time. That's good stuff. Right on. Thanks, uh, thanks so much. Just really encouraging stuff. And we're very thankful that you've been uh, with us. Look forward to continuing partnership. I want to thank you for tuning in and being part of the Evangelical Podcast. Check out our website at nwcpnetwork.com. You can learn more about the works that we're doing. You can also go over to the blog component of that and find uh, other podcasts there. 
Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Urbangelical is a ministry of the Northwest Church Planting Network in Seattle, Washington. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, please visit nwcpnetwork.com and click Podcasts.